Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend, Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? I'm good. I'm a little full. I ate too much for dinner, and I ate too much. I, that's that's how I feel. That's the overwhelming feeling I'm having right what now. What did you eat? Uh, we made yum bowls, which if you're not from the Northwest, you don't know what a yum bowl and is. And you're perhaps better for it. Yeah, no, it's one of my favorite things. It, it's a restaurant that came, that started, I think, when I was uh, in college, so maybe 2002 or three ish They're in about that, yeah. They're in their 20-ish years. Uh, and it's like, really, the whole basis is this sauce that's very good that gets served over rice and beans and... Um, chicken and corn and whatever else you want it's just a rice bowl and avocado and and avocado it's a rice bowl with this sauce and the sauce is sort of the the name of the game but it is uh it's one for me it's one of those burp triggers Mm. where i'll have a yum bowl and then i burp oh and you taste it yeah for days yeah (laughs) yeah uh you know i I was never a big fan of it and then they um i don't know probably like 2010 ish they rolled at least it seems like that's when i became aware of it maybe it was earlier they unrolled a, a like a chipotle version of their sauce mm, yeah this the red like their spicy yeah, yeah. version and then i became amenable to it yeah i'm a fan but we we buy the sauce it's kind of expensive you go and it's like 11 bucks for a bowl we can make we can make yum bowls at the house for like probably five bucks of ingredients so we just make them and that's like five bucks for the family for everybody yeah that's yeah. right so um, but yeah, uh, the, the downside <coughs> to that is I tend to eat too much, uh, mm. which I did tonight. So now I've got yum burps. Mm. Yeah. But they're not <laughs> yummy to be clear. Uh, so last night I made chicken schnitzel and roasted vegetables. And then with the leftover schnitzel tonight made chicken Parmesan. Mm. Really pleased with that back to back performance. Why, why chicken schnitzel and not a pork cutlet? The kids and Sam prefer chicken to... Dude, that's so lame. Do, do you do, fry it? Yeah. You, you like pan fry it? You yep. just yeah. breaded it. Mark marked it all the breading of all of them. So some of them are a little bare. Mm. But, you know, we worked and got it. And then I just threw them back in the oven for a while to recrisp them up. And it worked nicely. I'm a big fan of schnitzel. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just <laughs> breaded and fried chicken. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I was in Portland, I worked downtown as food. If you've ever been downtown Portland, it's just food carts everywhere. Uh, it's a metropolis of them. Yeah. And, and there was a schnitzel place. You had to get there early. They only took cash. Ooh. And if you got there like past like 12.05, they'd be out. Uh, but really good schnitzel. And it came like wrapped in paper. It was just like a cutlet. <laughs> Wrapped in paper. It's good. Nothing I, I, else? They just gave you a slab of meat? Yeah, yeah. No, there was other stuff, too. I can't remember. It was, like, served almost like a, like a dosa or something. Uh, like a really thin, super tender pork mm-hmm. cutlet. Yeah, really good. I did, like, roast vegetables and then, like, dollop a sauerkraut. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, how are you? How are you, Andrew? I'm, I'm good. You know, besides having a couple banging dinners, we're right on the end of my weekend. So I'm, <laughs> you know lamenting having to go back to not hanging out at the house all day so this is your sunday night or perhaps your sunday morning kind of i work in the morning like i I work in the day tomorrow because i have to train um so this is my sunday night all right which is nice i'll sleep like a normal person today and then work tomorrow and then get nap day on thursday (laughs) nap day is the best day uh you're wearing a a NASA shirt. It's the Worm logo, which yeah. I'm a fan of. I have. I love the Worm logo shirt. Yeah, I got this shirt because uh, I I realized that um, most of the and I got it. You know, about a year ago because I realized that most of the T-shirts that I had were ten or more years old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I got a little batch of T-shirts and I was like, oh, this shirt's cool. The Worm logo, NASA, and then everyone in my family insisted on getting some edition of the warm logo nasa shirt i was like 
trendsetter. What up? Yeah, you know, it's a good <clears throat> shirt, man. And and as a as a serious aside, uh, we're going to Disneyland for spring break. Say it a little quietly because the kids don't know, and we're just going to pile them in a car and drive to California. Right. Um. But my wife is super into like the theme. Like she has Disney, like Mickey Mouse Disney clothes for the kids for every day. Mm. And she was like, look, I know you don't really get into this, but I'd like it if you got some Disney apparel. Mm -hmm. So you do what you need to do, but find some Disney apparel. You're not, why don't you get Disney apparel while you're at Disneyland? It's more fun. It's also way more expensive, but she wants us to like, it's not that much. She wants us to go into the day Disneyed up. So you, so you have something for the first day, and then you get some cool like Star Wars shit that so you can't get anywhere let, else. Let me tell you what I did. I went to the Amazon, and I got like deep track Disney stuff. I have like a shirt very much like this. It's a Stark Industry shirt. I got a Lao Shea Air Freight shirt. I got a, oh shoot, the Midtown High with a little like Midtown High Science Club shirt. And oh, a uh, Moss Eisley Cantina shirt. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I want I want deep cuts on my Disney shirts. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, there's there's an argument that that's kind of like it's too deep. It's too deep. Yeah, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, you just look like an asshole instead of looking like a clever. I mean, I think you're fine. I'm sure they're all cool shirts, and and there'll be shirts that you'll wear. There'll be shirts that I wear because they're kind of unassuming. Also, not at Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. they're they're unassuming. I'm not going to wear Mickey Mouse. I'm not going to be a Disney adult. Yeah. That's just not me. Yeah. But I will be a Laoshay <laughs> Air Freight adult. Okay. I dig it. I dig it. Well, uh, so when's that happening? When are you guys going to be there? Uh, we leave on the 19th of, of, of April. Of March. Of March. Oh, yeah, okay. We so leave that's in right around the corner. Like a week and a half. Nice. Yeah. We rented a minivan. We're nice. just going to pile down. Are you guys going by yourself? Are you guys going with somebody else? Uh, her parents are flying down. I'm not entirely yeah. sure when. She has That's family clutch. outside of L.A. that we're going to go see, it, which was kind of part of the reason we rented a car. The other part of the reason was that it was prior to uh, a major oil producer starting a war, so mm. fuel prices were reasonable. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but it's still, even if with expensive gas, it's like... 25% the cost of yeah. flying. Are you guys stopping in like Reading or, or the no, Bay Area or something? No, we're just going to hammer. Yeah. I drive for money, basically. So <laughs> so you, you can do it. Yeah, I can I can do... It's what, 20 hours? No, it's it's 16. I mean, with traffic, it's, it'll probably be more, but yeah. it's also California. So, you know, the gap between here and north of LA is like 12 hours. Sure. And then the Delta all happens in LA. Sure. Well, good. Uh, I'll be excited. I'll be excited for us to talk about how your Disneyland trip went. Um, I'll be excited to return home. Yeah. <laughs> no, Disneyland's yeah, Disney, awesome. It'll be fun. We're staying at the Disneyland Hotel and it's going to be... Are you guys staying at like on... Mm-hmm. On property. On property. That's great. Yeah. We, we, we spent the money. Yeah, that's great. That's a great idea. All of it. <laughs> All of our money. All of our money is yeah. now tied up in Disneyland. Yeah, what, what are the nightly rates there? Yes. 300, 400. For, I think for five days, six nights, it's like $6,000. With tickets and everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. That is good. How do you guys? Will, you're it's not good, it. but it's, you know, that's the price. Nah, you you'll love it. You'll It'll love be fun. It. It'll, it, you buy memories and yeah. those memories will be worth it. Totally. So. Totally. Uh, we are going to talk about watches because here we are nine minutes in. The, the, you know, I'm sorry. Hey, if you're one of those people that's like, I tune in to hear about watches and these assholes talk about their weekends in Disneyland for You're 10 minutes. You're listening to the wrong people. Yeah. You know what? Come have a beer with us. Hang out. This is what we do. <laughs> uh, so, we are talking about watches. Weird episode tonight. Different kind of episode. Kind of a... uh, we're not going to talk. It's not going to be a deep dive. It's not going to be uh, an interview. No. It's not going to be a, uh, a roundup. Mm-mm. Well, think... maybe in a way. Yeah, maybe in a way. It's going to maybe be a follow-up. <laughs> maybe a, a, a part tray. <laughs> so we, in in the latter parts of 2019, 
Does anybody remember that? Does anybody remember 2019? It was it's a magical time. It's almost, I mean, I almost feel like it doesn't exist. It doesn't anymore. That, that world's gone. Uh, but we did, each of us, an episode on the state of our collections. And now, two and about half years later, we felt it was time to maybe follow up on that. And not just talk about the two years of acquisitions, though we, we love getting new watches and new things because more is more and yeah, more is more better. Is more. Uh, we also wanted to talk a little bit about our maybe perspective shifts and our goals as they pertain to watch collecting and accumulating. Maybe accumulating is better word for us because we're not real curators. We're not really collectors. We're just gatherers. Yeah. So accumulation of watches. We're hunter-gatherers. Yeah. So that's that's where we're at tonight. Tonight we are going to do just that. Update on the last couple years of acquisitions and figure out the shifts that we've had in what's next and why. So buckle up. Because this is, we're just free flowing right now. Strap in, baby. I kind of, I love this box that you brought. Uh, I brought a box of watches. It's and it's a, a a wooden box. It's a box. It's from I uh, I believe this box was made by my great grandfather, probably in the forties. To house what? Uh, stuff, tools, probably. There's no handle. Th- there. <laughs> <laughs> you're it that's looks accurate it looks like a 1920 shoebox without its lid yeah uh yep okay i love the box it's really cool it's really cool so i i think i will i, I what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna open up really quick with just a rehash of where the states of the collection yeah, t- were in 2019 tell us where we were at in 2019 so in 2019 turn it on to 2020 my watch collection, Andrew, is sitting at the Mako, the SSB031, the Seiko Recraft, the SNK, the Bambino, a World Timer, Komandersky, F91W, Citizen Avion, Timex Iron Man, and a DW5600. Okay. Everett. That's is, still how I think of your collection today. I know. It, even though it is not even close to your collection today, that's it, still... It is not. When I picture your watch box, those are the watches I picture. Well, they still exist there because I don't <laughs> I don't part with watches. Everett's state of the collection is looking at an easy reader. A Timex easy reader. Yeah, a Timex easy yeah, reader. Yeah. A HK Ed 63, the Casio AMW320, the Bertucci A2T, B2T. B, yeah, it's the B. It's the one they don't make anymore. BT2, yeah. the Titanium Bertucci, Dan Henry 1972, and SNK. Black dial. The one of a kind. 5610. Yes, the 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 white the white case mm-hmm. 5610. A Bok Talk Amphibia. Mm-hmm. Hamilton Khaki Field Mechanical. Mm-hmm. The Emperor Diver. An SKX. Speedy and the Sarb. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so those are I actually still feel like that's my collection today, even though it's not. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I when I when I think on when I think about watches that you have, the only one that stands out for me is the Hellcat. Uh, yeah, there's a few there's a few notable editions here that we're we'll get to um, some some very notable editions that we'll get to. Um, it, it's interesting though when I look at these watches, uh, this list of watches, I, I feel very um yeah nostalgic I, I remember what each of these watches meant to me and some of these watches are still in very regular rotation mm-hmm. but i remember what each of them even the ones who, that are not in rotation anymore i remember what why i had them and what that acquisition meant for me when i made it um yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting, this is an interesting juxtaposition. Well, it's so, kind of a cool exercise to look back at, at the the evolution 
of the watch box and to like, like not just, Oh yeah, I want to put that on today. Um, but, but to look back on the evolution and, and see the growth Mm -hmm. and the changes and the, uh, you, you can almost see your taste changing over time because these aren't by any means chronological. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think if we were to put them chronologically, you'd see a, a really, a really clear trajectory. Yeah. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we go back to your list? We'll go okay. back to your original, your state of the collection list from 2019. Okay. Uh, are there any watches here? So just to, just to rehash, Orient Mako, Seiko SSB031, the 40 and 20 chrono, uh, a Seiko Recraft, a Seiko SNK, Orient Bambino, Casio World Timer, Vostok Karmandersky, Casio F91, Citizen Avion, your first watch. Mm-hmm. A Timex Iron Man and a 5600. Are there any of the watches from this list that you don't have today or that have been relegated so deep in the watch box that you may as well not have them? The SNK and the Komodorsky. Okay. I don't know the last time I wore either of those watches. I almost wore the Komodorsky the other day, but it was a day behind or a, a day ahead. Of the current date. And you didn't want to do the dance. I wasn't going to do it. And I was like, I'll wear it tomorrow. And then it just didn't happen. Um, And I don't have an answer for why. I love both those watches. You couldn't buy either of those watches from me. I mean, with there's a dollar amount, right? Everyone has a dollar amount. You said, I'll give you $1,000 for that watch. I'm like, yeah, you can have that watch for $1,000. But I'm not going to sell that watch. Either of them, because I, I love those watches. Not for the amount somebody would buy them for. Certainly not. Yeah. And I got a I got the appropriate bezel for the uh, Komodersky. I got like a, a rally timer bezel. It's dope on it. Yeah, much better than the OG. Oh, the OG is trash. But. Yeah. But. Uh, Timex Iron Man? Uh, the battery died. I used to wear it for work a lot, and then the battery died. And the 5600's battery is not dead, so. Yeah. There's no <laughs> sense in changing that battery. And the, or what about the Orient Bambino? The We've, Bambino still hits the wrist. I wear that to court regularly. Yeah. Seiko Recraft? So I put it on a mesh, on kind of the uh, the Q Timex style mesh. Sure. Great on it. Even with the hooded lugs, the, the, the lug width is appropriate for a bracelet. That still gets an occasional wear. Uh, any, well, so, so that's actually most of the watches that you had. You've not gotten rid of any of them. Nope. I don't. I don't sell watches. Yeah. I buy them for a reason, and I will keep them forever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll, I'll go through mine real quick one more time. Timex seems easy reader. The HK Ed nineteen sixty three, the the sort of uh, Chinese Air Force watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casio AMW three twenty, Titanium Bertucci, Dan Henry nineteen seventy two, Seiko SNK. My 5610 mod, Vostok Amphibia, Hamilton Khaki Field Mechanical, Emperor Diver, SKX, and Speedmaster. So, and a uh, SARP. I, I had a, and, and SARP. I yeah, had it's an, over on the side. I'm I had sorry. An, I had another lane. So, of these, um, the Timex Easy Reader, uh, the movement finally gave up the ghost. So, it's no longer working. No, oh, no. Is uh, it a battery or the movement? Uh, it's the movement. I changed the battery. There's something funky with the movement. It's just old. It's just an old shitty movement. I could probably change it, but I won't because it's just a shitty. Because you can buy the watch for the cost That's of, right. of the movement. And I wasn't, and it's not like I was wearing it. Um, the Bertucci, the titanium Bertucci, I've, I've since gotten rid of this. I don't even know what I've done with it, but I don't have it. It's um, lost somewhere. The Dan Henry 1972. I sold the Dan Henry 1972. I'm going to come back to that. Uh, my SNK, I have modded this at this point beyond re- beyond recognition. It's I, not an SNK anymore. I did not bring it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do still have it. It's got a Firefly dial, a full loom Firefly dial that I hand painted. It's a really cool watch. I don't get a, it. Doesn't get a lot of wrist no, because it's kind of a. It, it's it's a bit of a novelty yeah. at this point. Um, still have the fifty six ten. Obviously, gets a lot of wrist time. The Vostok still gets a ton of wrist time. The Khaki still gets a ton of wrist time. The Emperor, the Emperor Diver, that's the other one I wanted to talk about because 
I don't wear that one quite as much. And there's a good reason for that. Um, well, there's a couple reasons for it. I still have it. I suspect I'll keep that. Although it's certainly approaching the block. Um, as are quite a few of the watches that I own right now for, I'm finally, I think at the point where I'm ready to consolidate, but, um, yeah, there are no themes to the watches that I've gotten rid of or that I've really relegated, um, of these watches. I still wear pretty much all of them. You know, uh, I obviously don't wear that Dan Henry, um, don't really wear the emperor, the, the Dan Henry was a great learning experience for me. And I think that's the first sort of thing I learned about watch collecting that I, I can talk about. I realized I bought that watch because it's a fairly faithful homage to the classic Porsche Orfina aviator watch, right? Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. It's well-made like all Dan Henry's surprisingly uh, so for their price it's an it's got an alarm it's an alarm chronograph you know which is such a cool which is such a cool complication yeah um i really like that watch i really enjoyed wearing it i enjoyed looking at it but 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 i realized pretty early on that it was not the watch i wanted uh it's just an adequate analog it is an adequate analog. So cool in its own regard, but it was never going to do what I wanted it to do, hmm. which is be the Porsche Orfina. Um, probably better in many regards. I bet construction is very, very comparable, if not better than certainly an OG Orfina. They've just reissued that watch. Yeah, but that, that makes it problematic. <laughs> that's another story. Um you know, it just wasn't ever going to be the watch I wanted it to be. And I had it. It was still in pretty good shape. The demand for it was decent. I was able to get a pretty good return. I didn't make money. I lost money, certainly, because I bought it new from the website and sold it used, not from the website when it was still available <laughs> new on the website. Yeah. Um, but it was a good lesson. I didn't feel bad about it. And that you wore the shit out of that watch. Yeah. Yes. Wore it regularly. And some days I wish I still had it <laughs> uh, because I'm not going to buy a Porsche or Fina. Not right now. Um, so it taught what, what I learned from that. It, it, it's the only, so it's the only watch that I've sold in, you know, really what, four years now of pretty serious watch acquisition, what, five or six years, I guess, really. Um, it's the only watch that I've really sold. I've sold a couple others, but it was the one that I was like, I need to sell this watch. This is not going to ever be the watch for me. I, it's when I realized I'm not going to be a watch watch wear. And it was important. It was important. I had the watch. I enjoyed the watch. It didn't make me feel bad. I don't feel bad. But I did realize that's not the watch that's going to bring me joy. Mm. All the rest of these, I got shitty watches. I've got good watches. But you, but you bought the seventy two. I mean, the the seventy two is is an homage. Very you much. bought it as an homage. Yes, very much. A, as an analog. Yes. Is that the the issue that I mean? That sounds like that's the issue you took with it. Is it was a placeholder that didn't didn't stand up? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and, and you know, I'm looking at my box here. I think it's really the only thing. That I've ever bought. Boughten? Boughten? Oh, yeah, boughten's the word. <laughs> it's the only thing I've ever really bought that's like that. Um, I've got a couple of other things that are kind of... I don't know, 63 is kind of like that. Yeah, except that, that except is, the, that's is how the, the 63 is. <laughs> it is the watch that it's homage in. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it's, it is what it is. It is what it is. Anything, any, do you have any thoughts when you look at your original list? You have any thoughts about that? Any I, any instant takeaways? I before we move on, I look through it as it's it's interesting to see the 2019 list against the 2022 list. The 2019 list is very much the wide 
wide net of what am I going to like? I'm going to try these things. It's the the kind of quintessential starters. It's a couple samples outside of that. And the 2022 list is very clearly like, I know what I want. I know what I like. And that's what I got. Yeah. Yeah, right. And the dollars. That's that's the other one. My emotional uh, tolerance for expenditure increased dramatically. Well, yeah, let's, let's yeah. see here. Let me take a look. Because I think, I mean, in a single purchase, I met everything that I'd spent up I to was that just, point. I was just doing <clears throat> that math. Yeah, I, I'm sure that that's the case. It's definitely, I mean, in, in a couple <laughs> single purchases, I've, I've totally matched that. Well, let's do this. Let's go back. Uh, now let's go back. And let's let's talk about what you've added since that late 2019 State of the Collection. Yeah, so in the 2019 State of the Collection, in your part do, I amended mine and said that I had just purchased a 5600. I didn't have it yet. So that's still, I have that, I have the 5600 in the 2019 list. Since the state of the collection, forgot to tag what episode numbers they were, but it was 2019, like November ish. Certainly November ish, because we said Happy Thanksgiving in one of them. <laughs> um, since then, I've added a Q Timex, which I love. And is in studio tonight, despite its ratcheting noise. A Monta Atlas, a Christopher Ward C63, an EMG Nemo, a Seiko Sarb, a Casio calculator, because of America, a Seiko Alpinist, and just recently... A Traska commuter. Recently, like... Like in the last three I, days that you've received it. Yeah, I got it in the last week. And I can't take it off. I love it. That's that's my th- two and a half years of acquisitions. And everyone made fun of me in 2020 because I bought... I, like, I went hot. <laughs> or was it... No, 2021, I went hot because 2020, I kind of... I stayed slow, but 2021, I, w- I went like three in three months. Yeah. Well, so, so let's talk about that because um, you, you've got, you, you added an EMG Nemo. I also mm-hmm. added an EMG Nemo. So the, I, I w- we can come back to that. You added a Q Timex, mm-hmm. which is its own thing. But every other watch you've added, Short the one-off Casio calculator watch. Which is because we all in the watch clicker fam bought different colors of them. That's right. You're, you've got some consistency here. Yeah, I went, I went one direction. I went hard with it. And I think that's the direction I will continue to go. Yeah. I, I solidified, <clears throat> for me, the watches that I like almost universally and found watches in that ilk that appealed to me. And I've talked about this before on air when we saw the press read ahead when the C63 line came out. I saw the, just the automatic, just the the, the three-hander. I was like, I'm gonna buy that fucking watch. I love that watch and I stand by it. I and then you love, bought it. And then I bought it. Like the day it became available, I bought it because I love this watch. The fonts are great. The case is great. It I would never part with that watch. And I feel the same way about the Monta Atlas. I think the Sarb is still probably the best watch ever produced available at under $500. It is like these flavors of Grand Seiko finishing 
with the super unique stepped case flavors. I'm not saying it's Grand Seiko finishing. He's he's comment. He's responding to my my eye roll. Yeah, it's flavors. It has yeah. these infusions of these things of much higher quality and much more expensive sure. watches that you just did not and will not ever see again under $500. Sure, I know what you're saying. And the Atlas is just this beautiful, like just simple be- case with this cool GMT hand. The finishing is out of this world. And then I, I have really wanted a 36 and Traska provided that in a great 36 millimeter case. For the record, you you paid for it retail yeah. for yeah, no, provided they they right. designed that and they <laughs> produced that, uh, but without a textured dial. And I find that there's so many 36 millimeter watches that bring a textured dial to the game, and that's not what I wanted. Laurier, I want <clears throat> yeah. Look, I mean the 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 real competitor at this price point is Laurier. Um, I like boring watches that get the details right. And then the Q Timex don't clash with your boring face. No. No, they make they make me appear just as boring as I am. And you know, the Q Timex <laughs> is super cool. I, I wanted to get a Q Timex because it's just this dope reissue that's attractive. It's sort like of emblematic it. of the zeitgeist, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's probably an exaggeration to call this a zeitgeist uh, in any regard. But in, in terms of the the enthusiast <clears throat> watch world, maybe even beyond the, the enthusiast watch, or maybe just watches in general, it's emblematic of a thing that has happened or is happening, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And then the Nemo is, I'll stand by it as my favorite micro brand watch ever. Yeah. It's phenomenal it's definitely up there for me as well yeah yeah so okay so we've got some pretty clear themes um you know we have narrowed it down that you like the sterile bezel Mm -hmm. oyster oyster bracelet sport watch yeah that's what i like Um, you, you know, we, you've got the Alpinist, which I think is... Oh, yeah, and I forgot about the Alpinist, which is the reason I didn't mention it is because it's in the mail right now to go to Will for some photos. Yeah. Um, but also the Seiko Alpinist, which is another really iconic... It, it's it's my flashy watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Because it has an internal rotating bezel and an additional crown. Now, as between these, so we've got one, two, three, four, five, six... Uh, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay. Uh, so, uh, as between those and the roughly 10 that you had in your 2019 state of the collection, uh, what would you say the, the proportion of, of your daily wear is today? Well, today I I wear only the commuter. Um, (laughs) but between the two groups. In the last six months, if I had to guess, I would say I'd say seventy-five percent. Yeah, that's that's last two-year acquisition versus twenty nineteen, like pre twenty nineteen acquisition. Have you so so looking at these two groups? Are there any takeaways? What have you learned about yourself? I think the the this exercise of looking at it and parsing it out into into such deliberate timelines is seeing the how each watch acquisition and wearing each watch refined what i wanted not my taste but what i wanted out of a watch what i liked the things that i was looking for and how each subsequent purchase kind of got closer and closer to that Well, I think it's interesting. Uh, definitely, you know, you're buying more expensive watches. I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight that because I think it's important. I think maybe not important. I'll think it's a fun juxtaposition because I'm about to talk about the watches I've acquired mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> with slightly different trajectories here. Um, whereas you've really refined your tastes 
and kind of bought what you know you like, spent slightly more money because mm-hmm. you're more confident in your purchases. Um, I've done a little bit of the opposite. So, yeah, you've kind of you, you've kept thrown at the wall. It seems so. I've got I've got basically all my watches here, all my core collection I brought yeah. with me tonight, and it's it's sixteen watches. Um, already talked about you know the few that I don't have here, but I've got two rows. I've got still the G Shock, the white case fifty six ten, my Hamilton khaki, Sarb Speedy SKX. Ed 63, AMW 320, and the Vostok. I still wear those regularly. Like, I would say, in fact, as between the bottom and the top row, which I'm about to talk about, I wear the bottom row more than the watches I bought more recently. So let's let's talk quickly about what I've added. So everybody knows I bought my, not grail watch, it's not a grail watch, but I bought my most coveted piece, it's been a while back now. I've got my titanium MRG JDM 1996 Casio train wreck on titanium train wreck that <clears throat> that everybody hates and everybody loves. loves. Yep. Um, I got a Pulsar, a Pulsar G10 British military issued field watch, which for a while was maybe a top three wearer. Yeah, I still wear this pretty frequently. It's tiny. It's diminutive. It's very similar in many, many respects to the Hamilton. Um, It feels the same. It kind of looks the same. I wear it the same. Very different watches. But Mm -hmm. they do a really similar... Very real overlap there. Yeah, that's that's right. Um, uh, I've got uh, my most recent acquisition... Think maybe not, uh, but I got the Solabs Layers watch that I think I picked that is up. I, you got that at, at Wind Up, right? Got that on Wind Up in October in New York. I think that's the last watch you bought. Uh, I've got it on like this white plastic rally strap, it looks really good it on that, looks by the way. Really good on that. Um, I've got the Hellcat you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. I've got the, the Orion Hellcat. I've got my Nemo also with you. I think that that's probably one of my favorite micro grin watches ever released. I've got the Notice Sector Skin Diver, mm-hmm. Black Dial. I've got the very, very weird white oh. label Seiko, aka Divex Tuna Case Dive Watch, which I wear the shit out of and I love. Very cheap watch. Yeah, if you if you have a, a <laughs> broker in London, right? <laughs> That's right. And I've got my my at a seventy seven fifty. Uh, Victorinox chronograph, which also love the FA 18. Uh, so I like all these watches, but I would say if there's a theme, it's random. There is no theme. There is no theme. It's the opposite of a theme I have. Whereas you've refined your tastes. I know exactly what I want. And I'll tell you the next three watches I'm buying <laughs> at the end of this. Like Where you've refined your tastes. I think I've gotten more weird. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the theme here, is weird. And not all of these are weird. The Hellcat, not weird. We, we have a watch clicker text thread, mm-hmm. and we routinely text, this is an Everett watch. And they're just, like, they're, they're not ugly watches. They're just weird watches. Weird watches, yeah. And we're like, hey, this is an Everett watch. And Everett's like, yep, yep. that's an Everett watch. That, <laughs> that tracks. That's a, I like that. So So that's... Uh, that's what I've learned about myself is, is I, I don't necessarily want any, anything. I don't want anything. I don't want small. I don't want big. I don't want a certain level of a certain degree of finishing. I just want watches. I don't want, um, quality movements. I mean, I do want all those things. I want all of those things. But I don't just want those things. You want the X factor. I want interesting. That's what I want. This Divex, this I think is perhaps the most sort of um, indicative watch. Because it was. it's weird. It's cheap. It's not particularly nice. Um, the finishing is remarkably good. The size and form factor, it's extremely wearable. Uh, it's attractive. It's not unattractive. It's kind of bizarre. I think it's a 66 click bezel. Um, yeah. It, it, it's, uh, 
it's just weird. It's a fucking weird watch, and I love it. It's got that ugly cartoon diver. Shout out to Cheat Pete. Pete, chilling with watches, who actually got me onto these things. I know Hodinky did an article, but Pete was really the one who was like, you guys got to check these things out. And I made... Oh. Yeah, <laughs> it's got one of those vanilla uh, Bonetto Centurini straps on it. So, yeah, weird, man. Give me but, weird. But, but you know... we. What's weird about it is that it's eclectic. Eclectic. Because there's nothing we inherently weird about this watch. This is a shrouded, no bullshit, prospect dive watch. There's That's not weird. It's weird that it has a little cartoon diver on it, but so does the Bok Talk. Yeah. Right? That's weird. You know, Divex is sort of... Divex is it doesn't make this watch. First of all, it's just white label with a Divex logo on it. Um, yeah, but Divex is like this kind of Gucci dive, dive supply, dive supply yeah. commercial dive supply uh, brand. You know, these are like actually like commercial supply suppliers. Uh, so it's got a little bit of like it's got a little bit of like bona fides it's to like it. It's like in the pro track. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's so weird, but also interesting. So I wore this watch it's, to watch time in New York. Wears so well, too. And people would ask me about it. Like, what the fuck is that? And I'd take it off and hand it to them. Um, you, you know, it, it's one of those weird things, right? It's like, it doesn't make any damn sense, but here it is. And it's awesome, and but, I love it, and I wear the makes shit out of it. all the sense. It makes all the sense without making any sense at all. So if I've learned anything about myself, it's that my joy of this hobby is going to come from unique, um, sort of eclectic, enigmatic watches that have their own thing going on. Uh, that's, the only, that's the other thing that's true of all these watches. All of these watches, I feel in some respect, represent their own thing. Maybe with the exception of the, of the 7750. No, the 70, <laughs> so the Speedmaster, so the old collection No, the 7750 absolutely has that own thing going on. It's a, it's a 7750 movement plunked in this kind of defunct brand that now doesn't do what they used to do right. with this iconic movement that... Uh, yeah. Is revolutionary. I mean, it, like that, that in and of itself, that enigma that exists in that watch, you like the story of the watch. Not just what it makes, what it does for you. Like you, you internalize the story of what brought that mm -hmm. watch into existence, what that watch means. And that, in turn, like that, that search for and discovery of that watch just meet to create a, a bond. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about the watch story. I just want to like it. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really polar opposites in terms of how we approach watches. I think that those are the two, almost the two extremes to the hobby, at least in, in our segment. When I talk about Mm -hmm. the affordable segment. I mean, we've sort of, both of us have now significantly stepped out of what we, what I would call true affordables. And I know both of us are considering in the, in the near future, maybe not very near, but relatively near future, stepping even further, probably outside of that. And we live entirely out of that. Uh, and mm. so, and that's okay. That's not a problem. Um, it just is. I think that's just a natural trajectory but uh, amongst those two trajectories, I think we, our our tastes and our impulses represent almost the opposite sides of where you might go. Because in the middle somewhere, there's the there's the person who just like I'm going to buy the most expensive watches I can get. I don't think either one of us are doing that. Oh, certainly not. Um, and, and that's partially. By by our our very nature, but also partially just because that's not what we would we do. Mm -hmm. um, let me ask you a question. Yeah, because this is the thing. When I looked at my collection, and I was thinking, well, what does this mean? What do, what do my last two years of collecting say about me? And the only real takeaway, besides sort of, I kind of know what I want, which is all 
all. <laughs> um, the only other thing I could really draw from this, and this is maybe a little sad because I realized I, the, the idea popped into my head and I was like, oh yeah, that's very true. That made me a little sad. The, the idea of the hunt is almost entirely done. I do mm. not have that impulse at all anymore. Our earliest episodes, the poor man's episodes, those were very organic, right? Mm -hmm. Those were born, those episodes were born from our own searches. We'd be looking for something. We'd find these watches and we'd think, let's make a show about this. Mm. And it was really natural. I don't do that thing anymore. No, you do do that thing. Tell me. You do it in a really different way. So... I'm going to liken it to whitetail deer hunting, right? That's a, that's a year round pursuit for a single animal. Whitetail hunters spend their entire year putting out food plots, setting up trail cameras, clearing shooting lanes, putting in water tanks. And then come summer, they start watching their cameras they find a deer. They're like, I think that's the one. And then come August, they find a different deer. And that's the one. And then they spend the entire hunting season tracking that deer against their photos of that deer and against their personal activities a chance and encounter with that deer. The hunt for you still exists. You're just so inundated by watch media. Like we we know more. We're better connected. We're better informed than we were when we started. Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, in part the goal, right? When we started the hunt was like, there's something out here, out there for me. When we started, you would just like park in a little pullout. I'm like, this looks deary. <laughs> yeah. And you'd fucking wander and drive and pound. You were elk hunting for deer. Mm. But now you're whitetail hunting. You're inundated with information and with watches and with stuff. And you're filtering out, carefully filtering out the things that you give a shit about and the things that you don't. This beer makes me super burpy. Yeah, you're burpy. The Sunray Juicy IPA by Ecliptic. Real burper. This is a real burper. Uh, but that's it. I think, I think you're, you're, you're losing sight of the hunt that's occurring every day. Sure. Because this is what we do. We do it, I mean, not for a living. We don't make money doing this. <laughs> but we we practically we spend hundreds and hundreds of hours. Yeah. Hundreds of hours every year, for sure. Going over all this stuff. You're just inundated by it. And I think you're maybe losing sight of the hunt that's actually that's always and actively occurring. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I, I also think that there's less desire to buy watches than I had at one point. And that's not because... Oh, weird. I would say that your watch acquisition has never slowed. It, that was one thing that I took from this list is is the, the uh, difference in acquisition amounts. Yeah, well, it's maybe less desire. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't as often get that itch like ooh i need to buy this i am much more comfortable looking at a beautiful watch and being totally fine with it that's a beautiful watch i think that's amazing i'm not going to buy it because i don't buy watches anymore but yeah really it's beautiful and i love it and of course i do buy watches as evidenced by um this evolving state of the collection however um there there is a thing happening and, and maybe you're right i need to i need to to I think you need to appreciate that you're always bit. living in the hunt. Yeah, <laughs> you're not. You're not out. You, you're just always in a 
in a swimming pool of uh, you're just in a more target rich environment. Yeah. You know, I I will say I have more eBay alerts for watches that if I ever find a smoking deal on, I'll, I'll trigger. So mm. maybe it's just different. Maybe it's just more refined and more patient. Yeah. The, the hunt has been narrowed down and it's a bit more patient. You're you're waiting for that thing to come to you. Yes. And you're not you're not just pounding the mountains looking for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, I I mean I had a similar I've had a similar experience and I think I'm comfortable with that. And I and I think the last several years have have made me more comfortable with that in the in the way of acquisitions and becoming more aware of what I like, what I want, and and maybe more importantly, what I don't like and what I don't want. Um, and you know, going to going to Red Bar last year was perhaps one of the worst things that ever happened to me. <laughs> Tell me more. Because getting to try on some of these watches, I'm like, oh fuck, I need that. I need that. That's like, you know, the the. My my next acquisition is going to be a Santos. Yeah. Because of Red Bar. I always really liked them. I thought they were really beautiful. I'd be totally comfortable seeing them. And then I put one on. And I was like, well, fuck off. It was Evan, your terrifics, yeah. uh, Santos. I put it on my wrist and I... I was like, I wonder how fast he is. <laughs> he looks quick. He, he looks he looks fast enough that there that I I would have stood a chance, but I didn't have the keys. Also, he's that like really like calm demeanor dude who who's probably a jujitsu black belt. Yes, he yeah. also. What I do know is that he like I think in Tibet studied with Buddhist monks, and so he probably has some like super secret martial arts yeah. skills so he would just kill you instantly yeah, it would make me poop my pants and with then a, it would be, with it would be worse very nice voice yeah like why are you running away <laughs> oh man uh but yeah i put it on and i was like oh no yeah so my first like i mean i have i have a monta right which is a, a luxury watch two thousand dollar watch but for some reason and like when i bought it i was like no it's just two thousand dollars uh, but yeah, that's my next acquisition is because I put it on and I realized that number one, it's a, a void in my watch collection. It doesn't overlap with anything, but more importantly, I want it very badly and I would never part with it. Yeah. Cause I love it. I would have, if, if, I wouldn't have caused certain divorce. I would have bought it right there on the spot. Well, so okay, you you want a what five thousand six thousand or sixty two hundred dollars? So you want a six thousand dollar watch? Yeah. And I think you could sell everything in your collection and not buy it. Yep. And I won't. Uh, it, okay, so that was going to be my question: Is there anything that you have that you would sell to get you there? No, everything that I have. I have for a reason. It's because a story. It's I'm, it's a it's everything I have has this sentimental like where was I story to it. The the Avion I haven't worn in probably two years, but it sits in my window charging because it's an eco drive, so I keep it in a window charging. <laughs> it's probably de- developing some actual patina, so that should I decide to wear it, I can wear it. So I'm looking at my box right now. I wouldn't sell either of the G-Shocks. I wouldn't sell the SKX. I wouldn't sell the Sarb or the Speedy. I would sell the Sarb. I'd sell every other thing. No. Every <clears throat> other watch in here I could get rid of today. In fact, if you're listening and you want to buy any of the watches that I've talked about, besides those four I just mentioned, the G-Shocks, you just message me. We'll, we'll work it out. I would sell all of these because I know what I'm going to buy next. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to sell all of these in order to buy that. Nope, not for me. All of these are the the value of them to where I was. Not just where I was in watch collecting, but where I was, like who I was when I got that watch matters to me. 
Mm-hmm. I lament when I have to throw away a pair of shoes because I've worn them out. Because that's like I bought that pair of shoes for a reason at a place in my life and have worn them into oblivion. No. I would also sell any of my shoes. No, I I don't I don't buy things. <laughs> and my underwear and my socks. I will sell underwear. And these sweatpants. If if you are interested in purchasing underwear, I have many pairs that I'm ready to part with. Yeah, but you already sell those. Yeah. Okay. Uh Andrew, state of the collection, final thought, anything. I don't know. I don't know if there's a point to this. I think it's just a an interesting... There is no point to a, any of this. It's a retrospective kind of... I don't know. Think on it. Other things. What you got? I have a television show again. TV. But this is one that I like and I'm not lamenting. <laughs> <laughs> Joe versus Carol. Ooh, I don't know anything about this. It is. And I expected it to be kind of a, uh, I know what you did last summer, spoofy uh, comedy based off of the chronicles of Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin. It is not that. Ah. It is a funny Kind of like dramedy. Sure. Sure. I do know what you're talking about, by the way. Of the story of Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin. And it is good. I am shocked by how much I like it. Number one, John Cameron Mitchell. You've never heard of him. And if you have, bravo because he's never been in anything you'd ever recognize. And his IMDb credits make you wonder why he seems familiar. And he seems familiar because he is Joe Dirt. And maybe maybe Joe Exotic is Joe Dirt. Maybe that's a better explanation. But you'd think he's David Spade. He sounds like him, moves like him. It's not David Spade. He plays Joe Exotic, if I didn't explain that. Kate McKinnon as Carol Baskin. Kate McKinnon is a phenomenal comedian. American treasure. Her ability to translate that into this wildly eccentric, like deeply tragic woman that is Carol Baskin is so good. Because it's funny and sad all at once. It's it's on Netflix. Watch it. You will not regret it because everyone watched Tiger King at the beginning of the pandemic. Everyone tried Tiger King 2. Don't bother trying again. It's not good. <laughs> Just watch Joe versus Carol because it is it's hitting it. It's it's scratching the itch that has been left since Joe Exotic ended. And his resentencing was not great. Right. <laughs> didn't didn't go super well for him. Why would you even... Why, like, I, what, what I don't understand is why at a resentencing, you could come to the conclusion that a reduction in sentence was reasonable, but that the reduction in sentence was just one year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Like, I went to the effort. We might as well do something, but... A year is a year. And there may be some sort of probationary guidelines that makes it more meaningful or something. A year is a year, but a a one-year reduction in sentence seemed really insulting, and I thought it was very funny. Because I'm not (laughs) the one in prison for, you know, 20 years. So I've got got? another thing. Do me. Uh, I'm going to do another, since we're doing a retrospective. Uh, I'm going to do a redux on a prior other thing. So I talked, I don't know when, a long time ago. I would say maybe two and a half years ago, I talked about my favorite mechanical pencil, which is the Pentel Sharp, in particular the P205, but also the P207 if you're if if you're needing a little bit more stability, and even a P209 if you're feeling dirty. Mm, uh, like I'm thick. <laughs> I, 
I've talked about that mechanical pencil. It is still today my daily driver. I use that mechanical pencil all day, every day, uh, for just about everything I do at work. Uh, I'm a pencil guy for all sorts of reasons. I use a Pentel Sharp P205. Because the spelling is poor and someone can erase it and fix them. That's right. <laughs> I got a Christmas present of two two pencils that are very much in the same world as the Pentel Sharp. These are the Pentel Graph Gear 500s. And I got two of them. And I want to say the barrel on this thing is either exactly or very similar, uh, exactly the same as or very similar to the Pentel Sharp barrel. But if you've ever seen one of these things, this has got a much more substantial drafting-like mm -hmm. steel uh, grip. So it's one-piece grip from about 75% of the way down the barrel. Everything's steel. It's got fantastic machining neural marks. Uh, it just feels like a drafter's pencil. It is a drafting pencil is what it is. Um, they're cheap. And I think I'm not quite there yet, but I'm almost a convert. Um, I mean, they're approximately twice the price of the P205s. That's right. P205 is like five or six bucks. These are like Eight. 11, 12 bucks. So 487 uh -huh. for the P205. Okay. 750 for the Graph Gear 500. Okay. Well, there you go. It is still a sub $10 pencil. And I think that the overall construction is a little bit better, at least in the barrel section. Um, this is such a stupid thing, but I got these as a Christmas present uh, because someone was like, I know you like these Pentel pencils. I thought these were cool, and so I bought a couple. I've seen this pencil 400 billion times, and I've passed on it because I'm a P205 man. Not anymore. I just might not the, be anymore. Just the grip alone was a converted me. Yeah, you know, the P205 has a plastic grip. It can be a little slippery. It's never a problem for me. And if your fingers get sweaty when you're drafting. Right. <laughs> uh, gosh, I just love this the, stupid pencil. The comfort of, of holding steel versus plastic is, I mean, you can you can monetize that, and it's $3. And, you know, I've had Rotring pencils. I've had nice mechanical pencils. I always go back to the P205, but I think that this may be the one that gets me to make an upgrade all these years later. I mean, literally at this point, like 25 years later. This is your last pencil, huh? <laughs> Hard to say. Hard to say. But this is my other thing for the week because I've been using these now for three or four months and um, I lost one today briefly because I found it. But I was like, you know what? I really want to have one at home and one at work. I'm going to need to order a couple more. Yeah. And I found it. I didn't because if you have it more. at home, you need like five at home. Otherwise, you don't have any at home. <laughs> well, this is the home one, and this is not the one I lost. It was the work one I lost briefly. Um, but yeah, it, I it was that feeling. I was like, ooh. Do you keep things stashed at home? Like I need your, to order another one, like your uh, pencils and pens that you like stashed. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah, because all my shit's expensive, right? So if I don't hide it, right? So I've got like, like Copic markers. Mm -hmm. And my kids know they are not allowed. I mean, those are like six bucks a piece. And they would just like like blast through a notepad with copy markers, you know. like Or they would drive the tip into the body. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You are, They're not allowed to touch the copics. They're not allowed to touch any of the fine liners. They just know, right? And, and if they really want to try them, we could figure that out. But like this isn't. You can have one. These aren't, these aren't for you. Unless we're together and I say you can use these for a specific text. So I do stash things uh, because there are analogs that they can use that'll work for the way they No, I ask that because I do the same thing. I have like a like a daddy box mm -hmm. of like my pens, my pencils, my things that I use and nobody else uses because when people use my shit, it gets yeah. broken, lost, thrown away. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. That's all I have. That's all I have. That's all I have to talk about in terms of watches. All I have to talk about in terms of other things. Anything else you want to add before uh, we hang these up for the evening? We're out of things. We're out of things, man. Buy what you like. 
as always, buy what you like. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's a fucking weird ass Ugly Japanese JDM. titanium <laughs> G-Shock. <laughs> buy the thing you like. Um, well, well, hey, you guys. Uh, once again, thanks for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20 of the Watch Clicker podcast. Why don't you check us out on Instagram at 40 and 20 at Watch Clicker. Also, check out the website every week. New articles, new reviews, and every single episode of this podcast. If you want to support what we're doing here on this show or at the website, you can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. Look, guys, that's where we get all of the money we have for hosting, software, hardware, etc. And we really appreciate all your support. And don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.